Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard. Hope everyone's doing well out there right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody is splendid this evening. Or this morning. Just everyone just be splendid whatever time of day. Hello. So fellas, today I was having to lead a training course on some newbies who've joined my department. Um, and because it's got to be done over Teams, not Skype, I thought I'm going to have to try and channel my inner podcast persona. I very nearly started it with, it's your main man Andy Gillard here. And like, I had to catch myself before going into the whole spiel. It was a bit weird. How's your week's been? Are we all good? I mean, Stu, you're now back at work and is life okay now? Well, it'll be okay when we can sit down inside and not get soaking wet. I mean, when you... When you're spending an hour of a morning going around with a blue roll, wiping down tables and chairs so people can sit there because it's pissed down all night, it's not the uh, it's not the best situation to be in. But yeah, it's two weeks to go. Well, a week to go when this comes out. So when when things are better normal, then it'll be okay. But uh, yeah, just pottering on. You're doing the Lord's work, Stu. Important <laughs> work. <laughs> That's it, you're keeping everyone else ticking over, it's good to hear. And Matt, how's your job? Work okay currently? Yeah, everything, everything's great, to be fair. Just uh, looking forward to going away this weekend, um, stopping in the van. Though we're only going to uh, Welshpool, so if we fell out of bed the right way, we'd probably be back in England, so not going <laughs> to go in too far. But uh, just looking forward to getting out there and uh, enjoying some fresh air and shitting in the middle of a field. <laughs> it is nice that the world seems to slowly be opening back up again. Is there anything from the lockdown era that you'd like to take forward going into the new world? That's a bonus question for the podcast. Well, I've like, the idea of being in a nightclub till four in the morning terrifies me, you know, <laughs> legitimately terrifies <laughs> me because, you know, three days of a week to go to do boot camp, I'm awake at quarter past five to go and work out in the middle of a field. The idea of like having to get up at least midday, I just think see it as a massive waste. And now I go to like national trusts and stuff. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think appreciating that you can have a really entertaining time and not have to rely on kind of commercialism and going to eating restaurants and stuff all the time is a good thing I'll take away. I think I'll be a lot more appreciative of like kind of the subtleties of things at home. Stu, anything you want to, to keep in your life going forward? Well, nothing really changed for me anyway, did it, <laughs> to be honest? <laughs> I mean, I, I was never the one who went out all that often to begin with, other than at football, but um, no, not really. <laughs> this is going back to normal. Let's get back to normal and be, have the option to go and get absolutely rat ass till four in the morning. Just having the option to do it. But, I mean, masks don't... I don't really bother wearing masks in, in shops if that stays and that stays, whatever. But nah, not really. I mean, I was I was pretty zen before and, and exactly the same <laughs> now, to be fair. Right, so we'll crack on with the news. It's not been that busy a week, to be perfect, or fortnight, to be perfectly honest. It's been uh, a bit quieter than normal. Uh, the biggest news, obviously, was the Oscars. It was an excellent night for British cinema at the Academy Awards. Daniel Kaluuya won Best Supporting Actor. Emerald Fennell won the winning, oh, she won the Best Original Screenplay for Promising Young Woman. And Sir Anthony Hopkins won the award for the Best Actor in a Leading Role. 
Obviously, the night wasn't without controversy, though. So Steven Soderbergh, he was the producer of the ceremony. He decided to change the traditional order. So it always ended with the Best Picture Award. That's how it's always been, pretty much. He decided to change it so that the Leading Actor Award closed the ceremony in case Chadwick Boseman won, because it would have been a, and to quote him, a shattering moment. But Boseman didn't win, and Soderbergh didn't know if he was going to win, so he made this decision completely apropos of nothing. And I think by moving this award to the finale, it left the viewers feeling as though they were going to get this moment of celebration of Boseman's life. And they weren't given it. So there's been quite a lot of criticism of the award ceremony. And it was also like, I think it's the least viewed of at least the last 20 years as well, apparently. At a time when no one can go out, which is even more staggering, really. Uh, Yeah. Just don't mess with stuff because things like this could happen. (laughs) I don't know what, I was never going to watch it anyway because it's all wankers. And I'm very clear on these kind of things before, but yeah. It's just asking for trouble. If you didn't know, if you didn't know beforehand, you know, would you bet on that on Chadwick Boseman winning it? Probably, but if there was even a slight doubt, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, he ran the risk and it blew up in his face. I think ultimately. Mm, I mean, is it a cheap? Did, I don't know what the watch or the ratings would have been like the year before. But is this just a cheap attempt to try and gain traction for a watch, you know, to get people tuning in? I don't know how how soon prior to the to the ceremony it was kind of announced, like the running order or anything like that. But I don't know. I mean, I'm really not a fan of award ceremonies anyway. I don't really watch them, to be fair. I think mm. I don't even get excited about the slammies. And that's wrestling related. <laughs> so... Um, it doesn't really doesn't really do anything for me. What I do find strange though is um obviously Hopkins didn't even appear, did he? From what I understand. It was like a message that he put out the next day. There wasn't even like a video message from what I gathered. Like a pro- Yeah, apparently so. I think well obviously he wouldn't he wasn't gonna appear live because I mean, with all due respect, the chap's nearly ninety and it was <laughs> 4am or something ridiculous yeah. over here so I sort of get why he wasn't there but yeah they didn't really I don't know I just don't think they covered themselves in glory with this and I know it's a difficult time but I don't think they helped themselves to be perfectly honest mm. I think if you're going to watch like ceremonies like the Oscars and stuff though you watch it for the glitz and the glamour and the the and in the way that the world is at the moment it's, it's not the same, therefore people don't want to watch it. The same reason why I only didn't watch WrestleMania this year because I didn't realise there'd be a crowd. So I didn't bother watching it if it was going to be just a Thunderdome WrestleMania. And because things things just didn't seem as exciting to watch. And I don't know if that's the same with things like the Oscars and stuff like that, in that if it's not the same spectacle, are people going to be turned off by it? Yeah, it just kind of reminds you of your current situation, which mm. is kind of what you want to escape from when you watch these award ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Oscar winning, uh, another round which won the best international movie that is reportedly getting an American remake with Leonardo DiCaprio in discussions to lead the cast. Fellas, what do we think about English language remakes of non-English language movies? For this, 100%, because no one's going to watch it anyway. 
It's too. It's way too niche. I mean, I know we've both seen it. You've seen it as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. It. I mean, so we've both seen it, and it's this. It it's great, but it, it's. I think horrors, horrors work because it's kind of it adds to the tension in a way. But mm. for like things like this, I'm fully in support of because it's. If it's not going to get a big audience anyway, then you might as well remake it or just or translate it in some way because it's just otherwise no one's going to see it anyway. So it's it's win win. Mm. Matt, I know you're a huge battle royale fan. Mm-hmm. How would you feel if tomorrow it was announced that I can't even think of it, any actors who would be good enough to play the roles in that? How would you feel if it was going to be Americanized? I, I I'd, I'd hate it. I'd really would hate it, and I'd hate it for the reason that we've. I think we've mentioned it before. You know, these films are rooted in the cultures and the um, the dialects and everything about them is rooted in the countries that they were made. And I just don't think that, you know, Japanese culture and American culture are so different. You're not even allowed to take your rubbish. You're not even allowed to eat in the street in Japan. You've got to take all your rubbish home with you. There's no bins. And then mm. there's America. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, so things just don't translate the same, like across the pond. So, inspired by absolutely direct remakes i'm i'm never I, I i don't know they've got to they've got to they've got to be different enough to actually not just be pale imitations for me um hmm. i just don't think i don't know it's it's a difficult one because people are always going to compare it to whatever the original source material is and that source material will be just have its own nuances and its own things that are so set on that country or the styles or the influences of, of, you know, the directors. And that's not, it's never going to, it's never going to translate the same. And you fell in love with it for, that, for those reasons, because you want to see something different, not mm. a bastardized American version. Yeah. I mean, part of me thinks that it's introducing a story to a new audience mm. and that that's always good. But at the same time, as you say, you are trying to, so for example, this film, another round is about the Danish, relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. and i don't necessarily think the danish relationship to alcohol is going to be the same as the american one no so by translating it you're not translating it you're just literally bastardizing it you were going to be telling the same story but it's not going to be true whereas if they make a film that is about the american relationship to alcohol and basing the movie on another round, but not just ripping it off, mm. then excellent. I oh, think that's the that, way yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, I'd be all for that, yeah. So the biggest British series of 2021 wrapped up recently to, let's say, mixed reviews, but record-breaking viewing figures. The most watched single episode of a drama series since records began in 2002, peaking at 13.1 million and it commanded a 56.2% of the audience share. Wow. The show, obviously, that we're talking about is Line of Duty. Now, I know that both of you watched it. Um, I still haven't got around to going back to the start and diving through. So, thoughts and opinions? Good, bad, indifferent? No spoilers, because we don't know if it's been shown over there yet. Um Halfway through the epi- the final episode, final air quotes episode, I thought this is not the end at all. <laughs> um, it seemed 
not like they had too much to get too much to fit in, but because it didn't really make sense going on the last six, five and a half seasons before it. And but thinking about it more now, I'm kind of coming round to how it and it was. They've tried. He's tried to make a statement on things, and that's what the whole series has been, really. Um, and again, it's his show. He does what he wants. If that's the ending that he wanted to come up with, then fine. I don't have to agree with it, and a lot of people didn't because it's not. There was no explosions and things like that, which you expect at the end, the big finale of something like that. But it's people, people crying again for no reason, really, over something that doesn't really matter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> is this a case of fans feeling entitled to something and not being happy that they weren't given what they wanted, even though that's not the author's vision? Like, from an outsider point of view, that's what it sort of feels like to me, is that people want to take ownership of something that isn't actually theirs to take ownership of. Is that what's going on mm, here? I I don't feel it's that. And there's a few reasons why I don't feel it's that. So, first of all, an over... It's an excellent, excellent show, and the the last episode of that series doesn't doesn't change that at all. One. That being said, if there's one glaring flaw in Line of Duty series on series on series, it's that it will use its very ending scene of those kind of bloody blah was arrested and served two years at Strange Ways County Jail for blah blah blah. You know what I mean? It will wrap things up really quickly at the end and almost too much in a bow just to draw the line under it for that series and not mm. give you the payoff. The, the the lack of payoff is is almost every series, especially series two. It's very much like a, it's a very convenient ending now to the series and we draw a line under it. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's okay because that's, that's the guise of this program. You never really know what's going on. Have they ever really gotten to the bottom of it? And that was exactly the same in the ending of this series. It, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be new. Now, the issue around it being, I don't want to give away too much to anybody that hasn't seen it, but the the thing about it being, you know, it's making a statement and it's it's doing this and it's doing that, absolutely fine. A, you need to realise that it's on BBC One, so it's not an art house BBC Four piece. <laughs> it's got an obligation to please the masses because it's on BBC One and the masses don't want subtlety. The masses want explosions. The masses want Fast and the Furious. <laughs> the, fil- the filthy masses. Hell yeah, they do. Right? So it's got an obligation on the flagship channel for BBC One to not mm. be this art house piece that is a that is a political statement. It one. It, it did start on BBC Two though, originally. But it's not. And well, it, it moved up because it was so good. That's fine. I've got I've got no issue with that. But and I take your point that if 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 it if it wants to do something different, that's fine. But Apart from the last couple of scenes of the, even that episode, the whole thing is centered around who hates and it does this thing within the episode where it's following the person as they're walking into the office and they're following this and they're following that and they're building up tension, they're building up tension and then they don't pay it off. Come on, play the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're trying to make a statement about the the way that the justice system is rigged and there's no money in policing and it's corrupt and that things are swept under the carpet, that's fine. But don't build the whole thing around who this character is. Then push it to the limit in the episode and then not pay it off. It's shit. It's shitty. It's shitty storytelling for one. Mm. Um, and then 
Point number three or four, I can't remember how I am now. <laughs> J- Jed Mercurio, I've got to pronounce that right. Jed, Jed, yeah. Jed Mercurio comes, goes on Twitter, absolutely, you know, he, he addresses the reasons why people didn't like it, which is fine. You know, he, he doesn't need to do that. But then he, he wants to pick up the ball and go home with it by saying, well, actually, you're wrong because the stats show that uh, people loved it. Well, they didn't, Jed, because hmm. I, I, clearly people haven't enjoyed it. Um, and you're taking it from a pool of people that have given reviews. Well, not being funny, there's a certain type of person that leaves film reviews on the internet, and it's not the general public. Mm. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now because it's really angered me. But <laughs> the, all the, also all the anger was on Twitter and Twitter alone, um, and all the puff pieces on the anger were based on Twitter. And we also know the kind of people who are on Twitter. So, yeah, I get that completely. With, like, I, with yeah. 13, 14 million people who watched it, the vast majority of people don't care. <laughs> they just don't get that. They don't give their opinion anywhere, do they? You have some people who, who write into that thing that Wogan used to do and moan about things every week. Point of view. Was it point of view? Mm, point um, of view, yeah. You have the weirdos who do that kind of thing. You're people angry on Twitter straight away because it's Twitter, but then you get the the are the people who gave the re- these special reviews. So who knows? I think the ratings speak for itself, and it's a TV show, and he got pe- he got people talking about a lot of things. So yeah, fair play to me. Wait for season seven in two years. I think it's like a, I think it's a, a wonderful show. I think it's excellent, and I like the whole. I like the route they've gone down with it in terms of it, 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 it showing actually these, well, I can't, I can't say, cause I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but um, I like that kind of stuff. I just don't think that, I just don't think that the filthy, the filthy casual public do. It, <laughs> no. it was, it was no Game of Thrones ending. Let's just say that. Well, no, it wasn't. No. Um, but it's one of those things really. It's, it's a really strange one because honestly, this came out of nowhere. The line of duty hype, literally in the, about the last six weeks, it's just exploded, and I don't know how because I don't watch like terrestrial television. I don't watch television pretty much in general, like in real time. Like I don't mm. sit down, put Channel Four on or BBC One. So I just don't know how it's got big so quickly. It's happened before. Though, we Broadchurch was the last one. It happened mm. with Broadchurch. Mm. Everyone went mental over it from nowhere. I mean, I, I've been. To be, fair, to be fair to me, I, I have been saying to Andy, watch Line of Duty for years. Yeah, you have. And um, and then <laughs> uh, obviously now it's it's hipster friendly. He's going to be right on it now. But um, these things, I mean, obviously lockdown, three put hour, wherever we're in there has helped it. Um, but these things just happened, are they okay? Every so often. Broadchurch was the first one. This one, there was one with the Bay. That was another one. Then the Fall as well. That was, everyone was getting all excited about the fall on Netflix when it's like four years old and you could have watched it on BBC two years ago. And it's just event television, which we haven't got much of anymore because of the way things are with streaming and stuff. So it's Mm, when it, when it comes around, it's nice to be a part of something like that. And for, even though every single person who watches, well, 90% of people who've got it, who watch that could record it and watch it whenever they want. Everyone stopped at nine o'clock on a Sunday night to watch it live. Well, it's obviously not live. This is the show. Mm, I've got to admit, you've really turned me off it 
with a pair of yeah. For years, I've been saying to myself, I'm going to get round and watch this and catch up. And I've never got round to it. And hearing the way you pair talk about it, I mean, you both you both said you'd love it, but at the same time, you have ripped it apart. No, <laughs> I'm, I am going to go and watch it again from the start because it was just it. It was just a shock, I think, but not in a mm. good way because you didn't see like that. You didn't see it coming. If they'd done it another way, if they'd done it a different way to reveal if they have actually revealed, um, then maybe it would have worked better. But they tried the bombastic right. approach, and then it was kind of like, really? So it's not, It's in no way a bad show. I mean, it's going to be top five best British shows of the last 20 years easily. No question whatsoever, and the ending doesn't change that at all. It just uh, it's, There's more questions in the ending of this show... <laughs> Than it has been for the other five seasons. Okay. Okay, I might do it maybe one a week and just take my time with it rather than binging it. Yeah, you know what it doesn't is. Doesn't seem what like it it's binge friendly, to be honest. You know what it is, Andy. Well, pre-drinks on your night out, fucking brilliant. The pub before the wrestling event, fantastic. You go to the Gifford, fucking brilliant. You go to Planet, you have an amazing night at Planet. The last episode, you go into the pizza shop and your pizza's okay. The whole thing's still been, the whole thing's been great. And just because the pizza wasn't the best pizza you've ever had, it doesn't mean you didn't have a class night. That's a lot of gear. But the pizza was, the pizza wasn't great because you were so pissed that you, you'd hope the, you'd hope the the pizza to be something that it wasn't. So, yes. Okay, I like. It. Yeah, fair. Okay, so maybe. Taking the work. pizza in a sober point of view, it could be the greatest thing ever. True, maybe. Okay, we've cracked okay. it. Right. Okay. Cool. So after several weeks of DC Comics news dominating pretty much this segment, uh, it's been a lot quieter this time around. But apparently, when discussing the DC EU, THR stated that everything bar Battinson's Batman. Gotham PD, Joker, and its sequel is going to be part of the DCEU. Obviously, there's been no official announcement of the Joker sequel. So, take it you know, with a pinch of salt, but it seems like they may be going ahead with a, a Joker sequel. Um, last we heard, Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix both denied their involvement in it. So, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, would you want to see a Joker sequel? No. No. No, what? I don't think I would. Unless it's someone completely different, mm. and they, 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 yeah. they do it sim- a similar kind of thing, and it's just another guy who's a bit mental, who's acting like the Joker. Maybe that that that'll work. Mm. I think I think that Joker was a statement piece about the way we treat mental health. That you can't do it again. You just can't, it's never going to have the same impact. They've got to go down the action route. They've got to introduce a hero for this Joker to be the villain against. They've got to turn it into something that is a complete shift away from all of the good things about that film. Um, and it just, it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work, unfortunately. Um, it's too, it's too real world to then introduce those elements of what we expect from a, from a, from the joke that, you know, the, 
clown prince of gotham do you know what i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's no, just please please leave it alone and let it just be the amazing film that it was yeah i i agree um i'm not a massive fan as we've discussed it, it's fine no more but I, if they did another film it's called exactly the same just called joker and they had a different director and a different star and it was just a different origin story because we know the character of Joker. We know yeah. that we don't know who he is. So why not? I mean, obviously, um, Todd Phillips, he tried to rip off Martin Scorsese's style. Maybe you could get another director in who tries to do a Lynchian version of Joker. Yeah. You know, maybe just play around with the form and do something completely different. I don't think they need to tell the continuing story of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. It was neatly summed up in a little ball, and we don't need any more of it, I don't think. And plus, anyway, we've got Battinson's Batworld coming, so you know you've got to have a Joker in there somehow. So yeah, don't muddy the streams any more than they already are, I don't think. And finally, Marvel Studios have confirmed some release dates and info for in their latest video, which I thoroughly recommend our listeners to check out. I thought it was a really cool video that they put out. It should be on Marvel's Twitter feed. Have a look. As part of that video, they confirmed that the Black Panther sequel will be titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's going to be released on the 8th of July 2022. And the synopsis of which states that Wakanda Forever will continue to explore the incomparable world of Wakanda and all of the rich and varied characters introduced in the first film. It's written and directed by Ryan Googler, who was behind the first movie and will be released in 2022. Unsurprisingly, they're playing their cards very close to their chest on that one, not really telling us what's going to happen with the, the character of Black Panther. Are we? Is there anything else that was in that video that you gents were excited for? I mean, everything, everything at the end made, obviously, the Fantastic Four kind of hint at, at the, with a logo at the very end. But um, I don't really know anything about any of the stuff that's coming up for a change, it's really nice. Oh, was it Shang-Chi and the what the fuck's that? Eter- Eternals. And- Shang-Chi and the what the fuck's that? Yeah. That's the, uh- <laughs> um, Eternals, the other one with all the, that's going to be, have all the, um, the women together. D- something different. I know you, mm. you, they're all going to be the same anyway, like they always are, and you're going to get mental again. But, at least it's, it's a different origin story that's, that we haven't seen before, but we have seen before, but with characters that I don't know of. So mm. that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I am looking forward to the Eternals. Um, I don't know a massive amount about the characters themselves. I believe they were written by Neil Gaiman, who I am a fan of. Um, but it's going to be directed by Chloe Zhao, who won the Oscar for Nomadland. So I'm going to be really interested if she manages to do her art house style in a Marvel film, like, I think that that could be excellent, and I hope it just doesn't devolve into the same three act structure <laughs> and they just fight the color swap versions of themselves at the end. As long as they stay, steer away from that, I'm really excited for that one. Matt, anything upcoming that you were uh, had your eye on? I'd like to see where they go with Loki. To be fair, um, I'm thanks to the kind a kind donation of Disney Plus by a friend of the show, Tom Kearney, I now have access to all of these shows at long last without having to get my fire stick out for the lads. 
So um, I'm going to start trying to catch up. I mean, I watched like Mandalorian super late to the party. Um, so still a lot I've got to catch up with, to be fair. Um, but I'd like to see where they go with Loki. And um, like so much of the Star Wars universe that I don't know anything about. Um, and I've, though, Stu, I said to you, I started playing Squadrons. Which <laughs> I've never been so bored by a game that I still have the urge to play and complete. <laughs> I can't describe it. It's like, why do I want to play this rail fighting dogfight simulator? But it's really, it's really entertaining at the same time as being really fucking boring. Um, but anyway, no. So I want to see what what's going on with Loki, and then explore the um, explore the catalog really that um, that exists before all the new stuff comes out. Sounds good. Speaking of Star Wars, have either of you started watching the Bad Batch, which I think dropped yesterday in our timeline? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, rewatch Clone Wars again because it's been a while. So I'm gonna right. I'm gonna catch up with all of that. Um, well, obviously, season seven was only last year, but I never rewatched it from the start. So I think with everything kind of and the season nearly over as well, there's gonna be a lot of time to do stuff. So I think I'm gonna get through um, Clone Wars again properly, and then actually because there's a there's an a next gen version of um, Jedi Fallen Order again, a new version. So I get to play. Okay. <laughs> wait for get through all the all the Clone Wars, play that, and then go into Bad Batch. So then that'll take us through till there's another. Is the is there another Star Wars season series by the end of the year? I can't remember now off the thing. If it's, uh, I think there's another Mandalorian, isn't there? With the one with um, spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah. So I'll be. That's the Star Wars being caught up for uh, the end. That's that's my plan anyway. If it if it happens mm. or not, who knows? But yeah, I'm obviously being a massive fan of Clown Wars. I don't want to ruin it, and I want to be properly clued up again. That makes sense completely. Right. Okay. So that's the news done. Quite a a quick one this time round. So on to the listener questions, please, Matthew. Yeah, we've got absolutely loads, so we're going to go quick fire. So I need some quick fire answers so we can get through all of them. But we're going to go with the OGs first, our loyal our loyal questioners first, so we can uh, make sure we get those answered. So we're going to go first of all with Todd Dewitt or Toddewitt. I can never know how to pronounce like, his <laughs> handle. Toddewitt. <laughs> Todd, uh, which one of you would die first if you were put in a zombie movie? So if the three of us were in a zombie movie, who'd be the first to go? Well, I've only got one leg, so me. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you definitely are the Herschel of the piece <laughs> at, the, at the moment. Uh, for context, Stu injured himself whilst uh, me and him were playing five aside the other day. Injured himself in about five minutes of being out of goal <laughs> for, for the 60 minutes of the game. And he succumbed to injury. How are you getting on, Stu? As as your rehab? I can't. I can't do. I mean, I've literally. I've got my. Um, I've got my poof under the desk, um, and I've got my legs raised. So that's all kind of sitting back. Um, I can walk on it, but I can't walk that well. So it's it's just that tight that I'm. Oh, there's a limit. I mean, when I went to the I went to the pub on Saturday, and um, I I used the uh, I used to get the old crutch out of the at the cupboard. From when I uh, sprained my ankle years ago, so I, I hobbled to the pub. But seven points after it was worthy. <laughs> and did you did you buy into that? Are we are we basically doing a shame? Are we putting a bullet in Stu's leg and leaving him to? <laughs> yeah, 
I fancy my chances anyway, to be honest. So yeah, I think Stu I know enough. Do. I think I've got enough literature to get me through. So Stu, sorry, mate, you're a goner, unfortunately. <laughs> um, football neophytes. We've kind of already asked his question, but he did ask what MCU title that is currently. Well, I suppose it is different. What MCU title that is currently not on the slate for Phase Four or rumored for Five? Would you most like to see? Oh, I mentioned one to Stu the other day. I'd quite like to see, it, and that would be the Dark Avengers. So we've now got like this bad version of Captain America who is, I'm not quite sure how, where they're going to go with him and Madame Hydra. Obviously, you've got Madame Hydra. There is uh, Florence Pugh's version of the Black Widow that is coming up in her film. You could bring her into it. Scarlet Witch is sort of on that precipice of maybe a heel turn, maybe not. We don't quite know. So I think they could go down a Dark Avengers route and we can get mm. a kind of Suicide Squad-esque version of the Avengers going. So for me, I'd quite like to see that. Deadpool 3? Just how it's going to work? Because I know he's already been kicking off and moaning about interference and pressure and stuff, which he's obviously going to do exactly what he wants to do. Um, but yeah, and how it's going to evolve the whole X-Men, how are they going to bring the X-Men in years down the line? But for that not even to be mentioned yet, I mean, you, you're going to be looking at five years at this point, mm. before we, which is probably for the best after mean Dark Phoenix. But um, yeah, the obvious answer for me, X-Men. I want them to right the wrongs um, of the Incredible Hulk. Just give me a standalone mm. if you have to, but I can't have I can't have what they did in Endgame be my last my last dose of the Hulk. Well, we've got She-Hulk series coming up, so. Mm. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be the same, though, is it? In terms of like that, it's not. If it's a series, especially, I know that they pump loads of money into these things, but it's not gonna have. It's not gonna be the same. Mm. You know, I would even take a Bruce Banner movie where we don't even see the Hulk, Mm. and we actually just look at the man behind the character and do a bit of character development and do something a little bit different. I think that could be quite interesting. Rather than, because mm. that's always the problem with Hulk. Is once he becomes the Hulk, he's just this silent brute. Yeah. Mm. So don't don't give us that. Maybe blackout when he turns into Hulk, and we don't see anything. That could do something really interesting. It's clever. It's clever Hulk, don't they? Or whatever they're called him. No, he's got he's got to be in the middle ground. Yeah, is it Mister Gray? I think would be the comic book version of him. I think, but yeah. I know, but they could. There is something they could do with him, but mm. yeah, they've struggled. Uh, David Evans uh, would like to know: Should there be a list of films prohibited from being rebooted, modernized, or having a sequel? For example, don't let them ever touch Back to the Future. As long as they've got an idea, I, then they could. But at the same time, I would rather see new stories be told rather than just returning to the same old well. Well, the, 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 my answer to this would be, look what they did with Jumanji. Yeah, that's a sequel, though. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, it's it's I mean, decades apart, mm-hmm. yet they managed to drag an entertaining story out of an old idea. And that's kind of what, you know, they've adapted it to, uh, they've, they've modernised it, but they've done it in a way that is equally as entertaining, equally as groundbreaking to the time visually and I think they did a really good job of it I think like you say Andy as long as as long as and there's always a fine line though between someone trying to shoehorn nostalgia in as Mm. well like 
as much as I love Bill and Ted, Face the Music was a bit too, uh, look, it's nostalgia. Uh, mm, you know what yeah. I mean? A bit too heavy on that. What do you think, Stu? Do, you know, should the, is there a carte blanche for things to be able to be remade? It's a bit like um, like listed buildings, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the certain things just need to be left alone forever. Like Godfather One and Two should have been left alone. Um, I still haven't watched that third, that alternative th- version of the third one. But in some sense, I mean, things like Lord of the Rings, just yeah, don't obviously it's not nine and a half hours long anyway. Don't don't touch that. There's no point. Things like the original RoboCop, don't don't mess with that anymore. Leave it alone. Obviously, Robocop Returns, made by in the same similar kind of vein, but that it's not a remake of the first, and we saw what happened with that. So I think Dave's got a point. Um, maybe there should be some kind of property mark on them to say, <laughs> give it f- like 50 years, and then you can mess with it or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. But at the same time, if, if you do remake a movie or make a sequel, you know, 15, 20 years later... It doesn't change the original. Yeah, that still... original is still there. You still love that original. It doesn't take that away from you. Yeah. So right. I, I do get there is two sides to that argument, and I'm going to sit firmly on the fence with it. <laughs> um, Andrew Wright wants to know, if you were on the run from an infamous slasher movie villain, such as Michael Moore, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger et al., for a period of seven days, which villain would be the easiest to evade and outrun? It wouldn't be Freddy because Freddy gets you in your sleep. You'd yeah. have to sleep in seven days. You'd die if you kept yourself awake for seven days. So, yeah, it can't be him. Um, Mike Myers isn't that interesting, to be perfectly honest. He just keeps walking. I think I could outrun him. I've been going to the gym. I've got a little bit of cardio on me now. So <laughs> I reckon I could outrun him. Um, Leatherface, obviously, as soon as the petrol runs out, what's he got with a chainsaw that don't work? <laughs> You're gonna just bludgeon you with a blunt blade. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good answer. That is, <laughs> that is a, an, odd, an oddly well thought out on the spot answer. That is, Joe. I like yeah. that. Who's yours, Matt? Uh, ooh, trying to think from like, I'd like to think whoever is playing the scream ghost at the time, <laughs> purely because. It seems to be. I don't think I'm as stupid as the people that get killed in those scream films. I'd like to think I'd be able to like stick to the horror film rules and like not have sex for seven days so I don't die that way. I'm not going to be the sports jock. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not black, so, I'm not die. <laughs> so like I'm. I think I'll, I think I'd I'd know the movie tropes enough that I wouldn't I wouldn't be the first to die. So I think right, I'd yeah. survive. It's a good answer. Yeah, like that. Uh, so we move on to we've we've made some friends we've made some friends on the Twitter world so we've interacted with a few different accounts and they've asked some questions as well so um, open world show they literally want to know why does Game of Thrones series 8 exist money (laughs) money simply that (laughs) money yeah Further down the line, is it an overreaction to the end of Game of Thrones no it was one thing or is it completely justified it is justified isn't it to be fair I didn't think it was that bad personally it wasn't great, but it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing that's ever been, like some people have made out as well. It was better than How I Met Your Mother. Well, yeah, I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah. Um, Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast wants to know, what's a great TV show that doesn't get any love? Continuum. 
Now, I mentioned I mentioned this when we had um, a certain Canadian friend on the other week, and mm. um, yeah, Canadian sci-fi show about time travel, really, really excellent. Obviously, buried, buried in. I don't think it's ever. I think it might, it might be on sci-fi once here, um, but that was like one where I had no qualms in just stealing because there was no there was no way of even. Buying it on Prime or any or even on iTunes when they sold TV shows on there, it wasn't even on there. But yeah, it it was really good and it actually ended well. <laughs> so yeah, continuum for me. Um, weirdly, the first one I thought of is it's one that's really highly rated by the people who watch it, but it isn't known enough, and that would be the thick of it. Mm-hmm. But the thick of it yeah. is genuinely one of the best written comedy series of the last 20 years and it's absolutely incredible but it's one that not a lot of people know about everyone who knows about it loves it but more people need to know about it fair mine would be um utopia on it was channel four i think i've talked about it before really yeah. it's been um, remade well yeah um which i've heard isn't fantastically reviewed again not mm. Well, I suppose we do speak a different language to the Americans in some capacity in, in a lot of things, but um, I don't think the I don't think the flavour of the show will, tra- will travel over very well. But I'm yet, I am yet to watch it, so I can't judge. I mean, the the one that should have been was well for the first few weeks when there was only us talking about it, it was Ted Lasso, and then mm. then people actually watch it and realise how amazing it is. Yeah, it's got a bit of a bit more life now. After like six seven months after it's finished, people have finally got on board. Mm. Cannot wait for the second season season later this year. Gonna be really good. Um, and we'll give one final one to Court Connections uh, podcast. So I've, we have kind of uh, answered this already in a previous episode. Which is the best feature film to feature an ex wrestler slash cage fighter in a lead role? So you can only pick one now. Suburban Commando. Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's got to be. We said Jumanji, didn't we, at the time? I think, or was that mine? I can't I remember. Think you went, you went for Jumanji. Uh, mine was Moana, which I mean, I think the best one with a, a wrestler that you can actually see, so a non-animated one. Probably Dave Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that was a really good performance, and just his whole performance as Drax throughout all of the movies he starred in. He's been excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Well, thank you very much, guys, for sending your questions in, as always. Listen, you send them in, we will answer them um, and hopefully get some of those big questions in film that you guys need answering answered. Thank you very much. I have one question for you two, though. As I said earlier at the start of the show, I'm going away this weekend and I need some films to watch and I want two films, one each, about camping or the great outdoors what comes to mind? Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. What a film. I haven't seen that for years. You're looking kind of stunned that you don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Go and look it up now. <laughs> is it a porno? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, not really? No, no, it's not. It's not. It's got, it's got Hugo Weaving in, though, and Guy Pearce. Okay. Okay. I'm... I'm... Is it the 1994, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? Yes. Yeah, that'll be the one. Yeah. Hold on, is, is, it a, is it a musical? No. They have made a musical of it. Um, Drag is the drug. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, it is really fucking good. Okay. 
Well, I'm not, like I said, I'm not. Two drag queens and a transsexual take their act on the road. They have several adventures and uncover the deep secrets as they travel across Australia, entertaining homophobe, homophobes and enthusiasts alike. Andy? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I've got one from, I think it's 1983, which is a film called Sleepaway Camp, and it is one of the most batshit horror films I've ever seen. It's really funny. It's really schlocky. Brilliant. And the ending is just superb. And the one I'm going to go for is a bit more modern is a film called Sightseers. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Alice Lowe. I don't know if you know who she is. Um, directed by Ben Wheatley. It's got a few comedy character actors who you'll know. So Monica Dolan, who I think was in Alpha Papa. Uh, Tony Way, who has been in a, a few things with Ricky Gervais. Uh, and basically, Alice Lowe plays a girl who is she's very downtrodden by her mother, and she meets a guy. They go on a camping holiday where things take a turn for the worse, and they become a little bit psychotic. <laughs> it's a proper thickly dark comedy. It's really good. Okay, I'd, great. I watched that, and her follow-up film was Prevenge, so Revenge, but with a P because she's pregnant. If you get a chance, watch that as well. Fucking brilliant movies. What about with um, Wolf Creek? Yeah, Wolf Creek. That's a good one. Especially if you're in a van as well. Yeah. As long as you're in a field in the middle of nowhere, put Wolf Creek on and then watch Priscilla. You know, the worst thing is we stay at a campsite camp, so called Riverbend. It's on the river. So if it's got anything to do with like... Benders. <laughs> well, I, thought, I meant more like animals from the sea. Like Lake Placid. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Not that I, I think there's alligators in, um, you know, in the in very very rural Wales. Pel- pelicans in Essington. So. Pelicans in Essington. Alligators <laughs> in in Wales. Snow leopards in Scotland. Who knows? We've also had our first listener submitted question on MP3. Uh, so if this is our friend Tara. Hello, boys. It's Tara. Um, I've got a question. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but do you think Dracula is a massive prick? I do. He's, um, I think he's a narcissistic piece of shit. Um, I'd like to think I wouldn't fall for his charms. I'd like to think I would kick him in his bat penis. But who knows? Um, keep up the good work. You always make me laugh. Cheers. So, gents, is Dracula a dick? Stu? I think he's I think he's misunderstood, to be fair. I mean, <laughs> you look where, he, where he's coming from. I mean, what, what else is he going to do? He's got nothing... You, you, you're in Transylvania. You're, you're in deepest Romania at night. I mean, all he's doing is sucking... No, I was going to say he's going around sucking people off, but that's not what he's doing, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's... Um, Basically. <laughs> I mean, he's... He's just a he's just a, a goth before its time. That's all he is. And he's if he if he has to turn a few people and get laid on the, on the way, then so be. But yeah, I mean, and obviously he went to Whitby, which is the greatest place on earth. So yeah, he, he ticks every box for me. Good old Dracula. Matt, what do you think? I mean, there is an element of it. You know, at least he has the decency to cook you a meal, generally speaking, beforehand. You know, invite you in and everything like that. Um, and you know, wine and dine you before he sucks you off. <laughs> which is all you can ask for, isn't it? Really, um, I think though when you get it's when you get to 
kind of like the modern um, vampires and Dracula-like interview with vampire and, and stuff like that, where the real dickish behavior comes out when they're trying sexy Dracula up. And that's mm. where it gets to the point where Dracula's a bit of a cock. But, you know, everyone's, you know, man, man's need to eat. At least he has a decency to invite you in and cook you a nice meal before he, you know. <laughs> you know, when, when I, when I read, we read it at school, um, which I don't know why they even let us read that, but it was in English, so whatever. Um, I always, I, I, I don't know if it was because it was the 90s and it was on telly all the time, but I always pictured him as Lawrence Welling Bowen. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what it was, in my head, that's what I, my image of Dracula was. And now seeing him today, saying that Changing Rooms 2021, he's back on the sh- back on air this year. He's going to brought it back now, and I can just imagine him in a cape. <laughs> so do you want to be sucked off by Laura Soil and Bowen? Oh, well, well, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with Matt. Like, I think traditional Dracula is kind of cool. And like the more modern take on vampires, the glistening vampires from twilight and that stuff just makes it a little bit disinteresting and not all that sexy personally but yeah that that's just me anyway but do you um do you now feel common as muck after we've had such a, such eloquent vocals from tara on here oh god yeah yeah that voice was unexpected wasn't it hmm. <clears throat> Right, so the first question is the non-film question, and that is your Stu. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> of are and can video games be art, Matt? A hundred percent, they can be art. Now, art for me is something, no matter what medium, that has the ability to stir emotion. That that is all art is for me. Um, and I can comfortably say that I've had more gasps, sadness, joy, worry, fear from computer games than I've had from any film or TV show that I've watched. And the, with the added extra that you are physically controlling the action and you are the determinant factor in what happens when you're playing these games. So for that reason, of course it's art. Of course it is because... It bring, as long as it can generate these emotions, it's doing exactly what art is meant to do, or at least for me it is. You know, would you kindly in Bioshock, the end of fucking Modern Warfare 2, just those are two like things that physically made me gasp in shock like mm. w- when I was playing. There's, and then, you know, there's there's games that I've played recently, like Fractured Minds and, and Hellblade, which is about mental health and like slows you down, makes you think, and... As long as it has emotion, it's art for me, and it, and it visually stunning, audio stunning. It is it will never? It, unfortunately, though, it will never be seen. It will always be the ugly stepchild in that in the world, because it's it will never get the appreciation that written need, written or visual or art as we know it from you know like art galleries will ever will ever. We'll ever get it will never get the same recognition as that, but it definitely can. Mm. Games would always be quite sniffy from um, like quote unquote proper critics. You'll never get a movie or a you know I, I don't know um, like someone like uh, is it Gompertz who works for the BBC? Will Gompertz like he's a very highbrow critic. 
mm-hmm. of all artistic mediums. And you'll like, I mean, prove me wrong, but I don't think he's ever really given video games a chance to prove him wrong and that they are actually a worthwhile medium. And they absolutely are a worthwhile medium. I don't think that every game is art. No. Like, I don't think FIFA is art. I don't think sports games are art because, well, they're sport, to be perfectly honest. And I don't think sport is art. If, yeah, I, think that, I don't think that's a controversial statement. I don't think sport is art. I think that's something different. And I think that a video game is sport. And I do think it's art. I mean, even, I mean, there was that game that I was playing the other week, Stu, that I um, mentioned to you. Thomas was alone. Yeah, wonderful. It's just, it's literally jumping around. It's like oh, a square I pixel. I played it. It's class. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, there is absolutely no depth to it if you just look at the screen. You are just jumping from one block to the other. And it's got the, the narration. It's got this really warm and funny narration that accompanies it. And it's just wonderful. And you actually feel a little bit scared for this little orange pixel. Like, what other medium could do that? What other medium could have you invested in something as silly as a block? Yeah, I I genuinely do think that some computer games are art. Excellent. Yeah, that's... I mean, I I, I thought of it when when I I mentioned um, Journey to you, Andy, about that... Oh, when I... You play it, you know. There's a certain part in Journey that you get to, and I sobbed. Not just tears, I sobbed. And the game's only like 90 minutes, two hours long. And I've played it once. I've never gone back to it. I've, and I probably never will. Because that first experience, sat there, turned it on, played it all. Obviously not that long. Um, played it all. And it was. I think it was about 15 quid at the time. Which everyone's like, oh, it's a bit much for it. But no. It's one of the best, <laughs> best pen for pen money I've ever spent. It's just incredible. No words spoken. No, nothing at all. You're just guiding this this figure through the wind and the deserts. And but again, it's the combination of the, the score, and it, it it's hard to it's hard to. I mean, it, if there was some a nomination for it, if you put a gif of this in a, in a, the Louvre or whatever, um, mm. you put Journey up there because it's just everyone who's played it knows. He just know, and it, it's on PlayStation Network. It might be on PS Now. So if you've got PC, go and play it on there. But yeah, it's just superb. And that absolutely is art. Currently £3.95 on the PlayStation. Oh, just go, go and get it now. There's no excuse. Yeah. I've just added it to my cart as you were talking. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so the next question, what have you been watching? Stu? Well, I, I tried to be uh, all artsy myself and watch um, an Oscar film in The Sound of Metal. And it won for its sound, and it won for is it was it editing as well, sound editing. Yeah, completely justified, just wonderful film. Not what I expected to be honest, and a bit too, a bit too much of that kind of Oscar baiting film that I'd never normally watch about. I expected it to be more about it's about a drummer who loses his, his hearing, and in reality, it's more about adapting to being deaf and living with it with deafness, which is all fine and dandy, but I wouldn't have chose that to watch personally. But for what it is, hands up, absolute 100% respect. It's just, it's class and what it does. And it, it was a worthy winner. And you go from that to without remorse on Amazon Prime. 
with uh, everyone's favourite Michael B. Jordan, who was great in it as well. Um, yeah, and it's what what we kind of hinted at earlier as well, where you it's adapted from a book, but obviously it's not the story of the book of the same name is not the same as the film. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why everyone's marking it down on IMDb. But it's great. It's an, it's an entertainment, it's entertainment. It's fun. It's, it's borderline stupid at times, obviously, because it's a Tom Clancy film, but it knows what it is. And I had a, I had a great series with it. And it's on Amazon Prime. It's free. Go and watch it. Excellent. Matt, what's been on your TV? So powering through um, Arrested Development, um, seamless TV, that is. It's so like, because it's like bite-sized 20-minute episodes, you can blast like one out as you're getting ready to go to work. or And it's someone out there, I don't know who the script writer is, isn't getting the credit that they deserve for making the link between building model homes in Iraq and then having one of the homes being open to the song of sodded like a rock. <laughs> someone isn't, someone isn't getting, someone isn't getting the money and recognition they deserve for that gag. Um, I'm also listening to um, rivers of pain, which is one of the audible originals, which is uh, one of the alien canon stories. It's basically when um, it's after Ripley, uh, the Nostromo gets destroyed. She's in hypersleep. She's picked up and um, the planet, the, the Nostromo, the distress signal that they'd gone to is 50 years later is now a colony and the aliens. Basically, it's every alien film you've seen before. Just in an audible form, but it's it's really entertaining. To be fair, the voice acting. I really like these big budget um, audio book productions, which aren't just a reading of text. It's a dramatized version with sound and real actors and stuff like that. It's it's really entertaining. So, because of that, I've gone back and watched Alien uh, again, um, just to get me back into that world and enjoy enjoy what I enjoy about that film the most, which is the horror elements as opposed to the action elements of Aliens. Mm, yeah. Excellent. Uh, so for myself, I ploughed through a shitload of the Oscar films in order to complete the Oscar challenge. Uh, the only film that I probably would want to point out from that movie would have been The Father, um, the one which Anthony Hopkins won Best uh, Lead Actor. It was an excellent film and you never knew your footing with it. It was constantly moving. You never felt quite sure what was happening. I heard a review, someone say that it was, it was like a Spike Jones film written by Charlie Kaufman, which obviously we watched adaptation recently mm-hmm. and you definitely get that sense of it. Like there is a, a slight playfulness to it, but there's also this undercurrent of fear because you never quite know what's going on. Okay. Really good. Excellent movie. I watched Bill and Ted face the music. Um, Ash, you said earlier, Matt, eh, it's not that good. It's not awful either, but, it's a little bit underwhelming. The best thing about that film are the are the actors who play uh, the daughters, to be honest. Yeah, hands down, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat, which the, oh, the, yes. the least said the best. No, um, no, 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 no. No, the least said the best. Awful. I um, awful. I left it out because I thought you'd mention it, but now you've, you've sullied yourself in the eyes of everyone. <laughs> it's, it is awful, admittedly. <laughs> 
but it's also great in its own shit way. That if you're trying to adapt, you're trying to adapt a, a film about a game as stupid as that, it's exactly what you asked for. You know what you deserve. Yeah, you don't even you don't even need to leave. You don't even need a half a brain at the door. That you could go. You could go in there as plank. You could go in there as a, a box of cress. It's that stupid. But it's just it's fun, and there's good. It's setting it up for a Mortal Kombat universe now. There's going to be loads of them. So get on board. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> like, there was no, I don't know, there was no tension to it. You just didn't care about any of the characters. It was really boring. It wasn't even so bad it was good. It was just bad. It was no better than the original films, like, what, 26 years ago, I think it was. I wouldn't waste your time, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and I've also restarted watching The Simpsons. I've gone way back to the start, and I forgot how absolutely brilliant it was way back when. Ooh, mm, was it? Mm. Series like, three onwards, maybe, but God, the first series is a tough watch. Um, the first three or four episodes aren't great, but then once you get into it, it's really good. I think I'm about, I think I've just started season three now. Mm-hmm. And like knowing the dirge it turns into in about season 15, like you forget how good it genuinely was compared to how it is mm. now. So yeah, I'm really enjoying the, the dive way back into the 30 plus years worth of history there. I'll tell you what the worst thing that happened to the Simpsons was, is when it tried to catch up with um, family guy and it tried, it changed its style to suit the family guy audience, but then it couldn't, it was like, it was it, it was trying to do it, but in a PG way, like WWE, for example. Mm. Just, yeah, it's just never going to work. No, that's actually, that's absolutely it for me. The jumping off point is when it went HD. Mm. I think from that point onwards, that was when I just fell out of love with it. To be honest, which was roughly around the same time they tried to go that way. But there we go. So our individual questions. First up is Stewart's again. Going on from um, what you were talking about last a couple of weeks ago with um, when you mentioned the sledgehammer and how stop motion animation and stuff. So I was thinking, what really is your favourite type of animation? Back to you, Andy. It's such a tough question because there's like films within each type of animation that I love. Like... <sighs> I think for me, it is probably the original, like, cell hand-drawn animation, like proper old-school style. I know you've got the the modern 2D vector-based animation, which is where they just map a body onto a a skeleton frame and can manipulate it. And that's sort of like the new version of the old school. But you can't own a vector-based animation cell. It doesn't exist. It's computer programming. You could buy, like... For me, I love The Little Mermaid. I could buy like a cell of Ariel. I could actually own that. And just that idea of being able to own a piece of actual history and of being able to see it on the big screen. I love that. So for me, that's mine. And plus, I do like that old school version of the Disney films more so than the sort of mid to late 90s era where I sort of checked out a little bit. It was more the pre-mid-90s for me. So yeah, mine would be the hand-drawn cell animation. Are you going to guide me in? <laughs> no, I've just heard a few times. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that's not, not Olympian. 
<laughs> uh, my favorite kind of animation, um, octopus tentacle porn anime. No, um, basically, I like the um, 40s, 50s style steamboat willy, but in the 21st century. So, there was a game very recently called Cuphead, um, an infuriatingly difficult yes. game. Um, but a fantastic game nonetheless. But I love that visual of the 50s. And I love anything kind of art deco. Um, I remember going to the um, Empire State Building and everything's art deco and it's all um, King Kong and everything like that. It's very much harks back to Bioshock as well and Rapture. And I just love all that imagery. Um, it looks great in colour, but it looks even better in black and white. And... I just love that style, but with the crispness of technology now, making it in HD, 4K, whatever, but still with that old feel that is just so, everything's so bouncy. Everything's like just bounces around. Like it's, I just can't describe it. It feels really warm, but I, I love that style. I wish more was done with it these days in that old kind of 40s and 50s way. Yeah, that game is annoying as hell. It's on Switch as well, and you can you can experience it if you want to punish, okay. if you want to punish yourself and smash your Joy Cons to pieces. But <sighs> I mean, mine obviously I love everything as per usual. Um, but the one that kind of the last one that blew me away obviously was the Toy Story moment when we first saw that for the first time because you know other than watching reboots on CITV, um, no one had ever really seen CG animation like that before. Um, but was the style that they used on Into Spider Verse, which was mm. completely new, and it mixed stuff of the old style and having the main characters in a different. Because it was we were sitting there thinking, how is it? How are they doing this? Because it didn't make any sense, and apparently that the characters are at a different frame level to the backgrounds. That's why they look so choppy. Right. Okay. Because. It- like you say, it does it has that ethereal quality to it? It looks like there's two different worlds at play at one. It's so unique. It's, it's stunning as well. Yeah, but I think that that kind of chopping as well. Because I was listening to a, you know, an animation podcast, which sounds as nerdy as hell, but um, <laughs> it was a special on that film. And it said that they were all fans of claymation and mm. and that kind of stop motion puppetry, which is what. Mine will be because it's all that in a similar kind of way because it's real and the things are actually there. So the, the and you got the Ardman stuff, obviously, which we all grew up mm. with, Wallace and Grubbit and all that stuff, and Chicken Run, very underrated. Um, but things like Jason and the Argonauts and things like that, I re- mm. remember watching when I was really young and thinking, "Well, wow!" And but and I saw a video. But a couple of weeks ago, someone had actually upped the frame frames on the animation, and it looked rubbish. So they tried to smooth it out, and it just didn't look right at all. It looked like you know the um, the dinosaur in um, RoboCop in that one advert. <laughs> yeah, it's it looked like that. It looked ridiculous. And but you go back now and you look at it, and stop motion animation is timeless mm. when done right. Well, like Clash of the Titans, which is pretty crap, really, considering it was like 80s and they should have known Better Boy then. But when it was done, when it's stop motion animation, he's done right. Come on, BT. Mm. I watched the Shaun the Sheep 
yeah. um, Farmageddon movie um, for my Oscars challenge. Really enjoyed it. Like, even though it's, it's a silent movie, basically, but like they really managed to get as much humour into it as possible. Uh, yeah, but it's a good call. I do like a bit of that stop motion as well. So the next question is mine. And we're going to stay in the world of animation. And I want you to cast Roger Rabbit, but for 2021. Matt, start us off. Right. Eddie Valiant, Jack Black. Judge Doom, Stanley Tucci. Roger Rabbit, I want David Eddings, who is the voice of Claptrap from Borderlands. You might have to watch a trailer or something if you've not played the game. Um, but his voices are annoying as hell. Um, but it's it, it it will work. It will work. Right. Okay. Um, and if we can't have Tara as Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> I want I want Emma Stone as my Jessica Rabbit. Done. Excellent. Stu. J.K. Simmons as the judge. Oh yeah, brilliant. So, why not? Eddie Hart. Oh, Kevin Hart as Eddie. Right, yeah, yeah. Gal Gadot is Jessica Rabbit. Oh. And who we who did we mention a few a few months ago back who, who had the most annoying voice ever and he's never changed? Oh god. Oh no, no, no. What the fuck film was that again? What was it called? It's a Christmas stupid one. <laughs> oh fucking Dana Carvey. <laughs> <laughs> Dana Carvey as Roger Rabbit because he's annoying as fuck. <laughs> Trapped in Paradise that you yet again everyone forgets the name of. Oh, good God, that movie. Uh, right, so for me, I've gone for a few extra characters as well. So Eddie Valiant, I've gone with John Turturro. He was in the first uh, Transformers films. If you don't know him, he was the FBI agent. I think he's a really good like physical, he does good physical comedy. He's got like a simmering intensity as well. So I think you'd play both parts of that role really well. Judge Doom, I've gone for Mark Hamill because I don't know why my mind went to Joker and he's the best yeah. Joker. So for Roger Rabbit, I want Seth Rogen. Because <laughs> I want Seth Rogen in everything, to be honest. For Jessica Rabbit, I too have gone for Emma Stone. Oh. Uh, for Dolores, which is Eddie's partner, I want Julianne Moore. So I do like her. I think she's great. And I think she would work really well with John Turturro. Baby Herman. I want Bobcat Goldthwaite. <laughs> For Benny the Cab, I want Will Arnett. And then the Judge's Henchmen, so the Weasels. Because we're the ones rebooting it, I think we three should be the Weasels in the movie. Nice. I think that would only be fair. I like it. So the final question is yours, Matt. So, I want to know, what is the best use of an improvised weapon in film? Such as, sorry Andy, if you were ever going to use this, the vinyls in Shaun of the Dead. So, uh, something that wouldn't normally be categorised as a weapon that gets used in the heat of in the heat of battle, maybe. Stu? I mean, there's, there's one from, literally from this week... The hat in Mortal Kombat, but you need to watch it to find out. Um, there's there's one that we've mentioned before in here, and that's the um, the chicken in Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> but the best, the one that I, I don't know if you, 
I presume you have seen um, this shoot 'em up with Clive Owen. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carrot to the eye. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you're going to kill someone, kill them, kill them with a carrot. <laughs> yeah, that is excellent. <laughs> if you're going to kill someone, kill them with a carrot. I love it. And uh... I've got two honourable mentions that I don't want to steal yours, so I will go with my other ones and we'll come back to them. I've actually got three, sorry, but they are all linked. So, in The Born Identity, he attacks a dude with a split switchblade with a ballpoint pen. And he disarms the guy with a, with a knife by just jamming the pen between his knuckles. And that makes me cringe every time I see Ooh, it. Yeah. In The Born Supremacy, he fights off one of the dudes with a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> so he fucks up a guy with a newspaper. And in The Born Ultimatum, when he's in the bathroom, he chokes a guy to death using a towel. So I'm just going for Jason Bourne and everything is a weapon to him. His body is a weapon. He he is the weapon. Yeah. Um, I haven't gone... I've gone completely the other way here and I've gone death by dildo. Uh, a 15-inch black rubber cock in lock, stock of two smoking barrels. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I love that scene as well with the Stath as well talking about... Um, he's got a really great way of... of in these kind of films, just the way the way he describes like what's going on and he, how he introduces the characters is really excellent. Um, I also I know where you were going with with so with the pencil side of things. I imagine um, we go in Dark Knight Rises with it. Um, yeah, absolutely, it's just just fantastic, isn't it? Um, what a way to introduce the character as well in terms yeah, of like how, um, how incredible. But Stu, I almost thought that you were taking my other honourable mention at first because. Um, I was going with Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery, who throws a shoe. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of my honourable mentions as well. Obviously, the other one being the pencil from The Dark Knight. So I didn't know this, and it wasn't because of doing research for your question, Matt. But the dude who throws the shoe, Joe Sun, he is currently serving somewhere between 34 years and life in prison. For what? Throwing a shoe. Well, a shoe. <laughs> he um, he managed to get away with some absolutely fucking horrific crimes because the statute of limitation ran out on them. Uh, but there was parts of it that extended beyond the statute of limitation, which he received. I think it was twenty seven year, no, seven years he got for sexual crimes or crimes of a sexual nature. We'll say, mm-hmm. um, and then whilst he was in prison. He murdered his cellmate and got an extra 27 years added on top. Bloody hell. So it turns out he's a fucking monster, this guy is. So I was quite interested in that, but I stumbled across a video on YouTube just about uh, actors who were who serving time. And that one came up and I thought, that's quite odd that I'm looking for ones for this podcast. Yeah. And he came up with this story. And it's, yeah, check out his Wikipedia because it's... It's horrific. Really bad. Mm. So that's us all tapped out for this week. Next up, we are going to be staying in the car and we will be driving angry. Um, So Drive Angry is available to stream on the stars section of Amazon Prime in the UK. And it's also available on Peacock for our stateside cage fighters. Have both of you fellas seen this film before? Oh I've yes, before, yeah. I've got it. I've got Excellent. it on 3D Blu-ray as well. Of course you have. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. 
Because the original title was Drive Angry in 3D, if I remember correctly, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to discussing that one with you guys next week. So, obviously, please make sure that you are following us on your podcast app. And again, if we can just please beg at your feet for a review and tell your friends, we would massively appreciate it. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourself. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Only one week to pubs open properly. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, when you're out there in the pubs, just be safe and be excellent to each other. Fatality.